Hey guys, at the YMCA Rebuild, we're in the business of reducing recidivism in Victoria, and in no way do we condone criminal activity discussed in these episodes. We support victims of crime and are committed to creating a safer community. Please be advised that this episode contains swearing and drug references. Every day was life and death. Is he going to be alive today or dead at the end of the day or dead in the middle of the night? So still all those ramifications of the law and prison and things like that, still as a mother looking at your child, are they alive or are they dead? Any mother would still prefer their child to be alive. Welcome to A Time to Rebuild, the podcast that explores the impact of crime from incarceration to positive transformation and everything in between. Today, we're very lucky to be joined by not one, but two guests. Chris, a young man that works with Rebuild, and his mother, Belle. Belle, like many mothers, worked extremely hard to raise two boys and put food on the table, never thinking her son would end up in prison. Unfortunately, that day came, and when the judge handed down the verdict, she was forced to surrender Chris to the state. Chris, as an avid sportsman and music producer, had to adjust quickly and make the most out of his time away. Now working with Rebuild, Chris has found direction and a community that supports his goals. So first of all, I'd like to say welcome uh, to Chris and Belle. Uh, This is the first time that we've had, well, more than three people on the podcast here, so there's four of us sitting here now, and uh, hopefully I don't stuff up the recording. But uh, yeah, welcome to the show, guys. Good afternoon. There we go. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. All right, so... First of all, Chris, you've been working with us now. Yeah. Uh, since September, am I right? Whoa. As, no, 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 since February. Well, there we go. I've already stuffed up. Uh... Um, <laughs> you're meant to do research, Mac. I mean, the one thing I say is do the research. I mean, in between, in between February and now, I mean, I have had a month break, but yep. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. And September was around when I came back, so. Yep. yep. A month before, something like that, I don't know, but yeah. How are you finding it so far? Um, no, pretty good to be on a working routine. Yeah. It's been really good. Just good for my mental health as well. Awesome. Yeah. And Belle, as Chris's mother, what was Chris like growing up as a child? Um, he's a very beautiful boy, very loving. Um, often the childcare workers would fight over who would take him for the day. Thank so he was a very happy, loving baby, child, everybody gravitated towards him yep. and um, enjoyed being around him. It was fun, loving, kind. Yep. Just for everyone listening, uh, Chris is now blushing. <laughs> <laughs> if you can tell. Is that how you see it, Chris? Is that how you saw yourself growing up? Uh, I mean, mum wants to put me in the spotlight like that. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> that, is, that is well spot on. That's true. <laughs> you just say, I second that. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for my brother, but I second that. <laughs> yeah, all the girls are always quite keen. Well, yeah. we're going there already. Uh, we just skipped through you straight from a kid and you're going straight to this one. So um, we, might, we might park that one and leave it for a little while and come back to that. Um, but good to know. Um, and again, Chris is blushing. Um, so... So it's really interesting, and, and firstly, thank you for both agreeing to do this. So to have an insight from um, a mother and a son uh, is so so refreshing for us, and I think it's going to be so refreshing for you know uh, and educational to our listeners as well. So we're kind of going to you know go a little bit into where I suppose Chris, from your side, where you start to kind of. I suppose your life started to take a bit of a change, meaning, you know, what came into your life and how you kind of, you know, for a use of better words, kind of went off track um, a little bit and which led you to, you know, you know, um, committing offences and, and so forth and so forth. So is there a kind of a, a, a time where you can identify where that kind of happened and what age and so forth? And if you could talk us through kind of how that all came about, that would be great. And then, Belle, we might jump to you afterwards and see to get your kind of taken mm, that too that's fine um i'd say i mean like everything was all smooth before year eight year nine and then year nine is when i first got in trouble with um the police and 
that's just because of the people I was hanging out with at the time. I was hanging out with people older than me, thought they knew what they were doing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, from eight, year eight, year nine. In between then, I was just started wagging school, you know, not showing up on days, not taking mum's lunch to school. <laughs> was it a bad lunch? Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, nah. <laughs> no one either. likes their mum's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I started, yeah, wagging school and all that and that that um, came along with uh, smoking cannabis and um, I reckon that impacted my, my school heavily. And then from from then, from year nine to year ten, was, I didn't attend, mu- attend much school at all. Mm. Um, from then, from year 10 onwards, I went, I, I left high school and went to TAFE to a more free, free sort of place. Um, not as much strict rules or anything like that. That was, um, that was, that year, year 10 was a bit easier for me. Yeah. Um, not, not, a lot, not a lot went on during yeah. then, you know, just more education and just, was actually going to TAFE. Yeah. Um, say, come year 11, that was Cedar. Yeah, you went to do um, a course at Cedar. Yeah, the athletic part, um, the basketball, it was like a basketball orientated yeah. yeah. sort of school. And at that time I was just, so I was 17, I just got into more of a worse drug scene. Yeah. Um, and that, and within that first two months of, uh, substance abusing um i hadn't gone to to my school much at all and i'd rock up to school and one day they told me you got to finish one semester worth of work in the holidays or leave and me at the time i was like oh no school leave i left um yeah and in that year i just went downwards i was just hanging around with the same people i first got into trouble with when i was 16 Kept going down here from there, committing more crimes, but wasn't getting caught by the cops or anything like that. So I was, yeah, I was, you know, having my fun at the time. And did you have much care back then? Like when you were, like in that moment oh. when you were doing drugs, was that kind of taking away your fear from that? And kind of was it escalating? One was feeding the other in a sense. So, and um, so kind of what kind of because I know you said you smoked cannabis. Did it escalate into harder drugs? And did that then escalate into the fact that you know you had this kind of less, I suppose. Uh, a shield, a shield around you where you thought you were maybe a little bit untouchable or did you kind of realise where this could lead at that time in your life? I didn't even I didn't even think ahead. I was just I was just doing it, you know, I was just doing I was just doing the drugs at the time that me and my friends were having fun with. Yeah. And I didn't really think ahead of my future or anything like that. Yeah. I just didn't I just oh well, in the in the moment we were just having fun. Um I had no plans or anything like that. I was loving it cuz I wasn't even in school at the time. Yeah, I was just running a mark, basically. And when did you get? When did you first come into contact with the police? Then, so when did like you know, you finally it all cut up in you a little bit, or the first time it cut up in you? Age sixteen, yeah, that was when it first got up with me. Did anything change when that happened? Like, did did it make it more serious? Did you actually it reflect me, on it and go? So I got once I did have my first contact with the police. You know, it made me less scared of what's next to come. Like with during police or if I did anything bad or anything like that I didn't think there would be much worse the consequences of what I've already gone through right which was which wasn't even that bad at the age of 16 so yeah there wasn't much consequences in and so I guess that's that's why I was a bit more like lenient to do other stuff and yeah that led to what I yeah to where I am today and if we Flick it over a little bit, Belle. I'm mm. really interested to know from a parent's point of view, mm. did you, when did you kind of notice that, you know, Chris was kind of going down a little bit of a different pathway? Was it real obvious signs or did it build up over time or, or were you straight on it? I'm really interested to hear. I think um, in primary school he tended to gravitate to kids that were on the out, on the outer. So um, he would... Uh, be with kids that no one else maybe would talk to. He'd sort of take them in and then I'd sort of have some association or meet the parents and sort of could see that those kids may have come from places where there was substance being used at home, such as marijuana. 
and had some some concerns from that. But Ellie liked to socialise and party. Um, so wherever there was a good time, wherever there was somewhere he could actually socialise, that was what it was all about. But I think from the age of 13 he was using marijuana and um, just whatever the party was, it was always hidden alcohol or it was just um, sequence after sequence, step after step, I think, with marijuana. And and did you talk to him about this at that stage? Like, were you, was it was it like a full open conversation about this? Were you coming in mm. at, as the parent on the thirteen year old when you first spring and with you know cannabis or, or you're onto that? No. Like, were, was it was it that a really hard thing to 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 talk about with with uh, Chris um, at that time? Well, I as a young one, I'd gone through a period, a phase in my life from thirteen to seventeen yeah. with um, substances and worked my way out of that. But so I was able to talk to him, but always he tell your kids don't do this this don't smoke and being a nurse as well don't smoke don't take marijuana don't all the don'ts yeah um and he just went and did all those things anyway so i was always telling him off oh god you know always worrying and stressing and saying the normal parenting sort of things you know you're not going to be drinking there because those fines were you know when they were underage were getting more severe for the parents you know thousand dollars fines for buying alcohol for your kids but there was such there's pressure from parents as well so yeah but yeah i told him don't do that don't do that and you know and how hard is it when you know your son is walking out the door in the evening or a day yeah. and you kind of know because you've obviously knew where where he was going and well you knew what he was going to be going mm. to do or potentially mm. a percentage of that yeah how hard is that as a parent to to <sighs> to watch your son walk out the door and, and know that you don't know yeah. whether he's going to come back in a sense or whether he's going to get into more trouble or mm. where it would lead? Well, I was always hoping it was going to be whatever he did was going to be experimental, and then you go through that phase like I did. You get out of it. Um, he's uh, so there was that hope element that it was only going to be you know try a bit of this or a bit of that and. Uh, always but always have that self-love for himself to look after himself but that sort of never eventuated it just continued to to grow and uh, more risk-taking behaviors heavier drugs those sorts of things so I realized well hang on he's not really Mm. like my journey he's his own journey um, and I don't know where this journey is going to go so looking at him as a parent and going well you're going to tell me which journey you're going to go on because I can only say to you, don't do this, this and this. But then at the end of the day, you're going to make this choice in this situation and different situations. So you kind of, it was very agonising, very hard, but I had no control. You just get to a point, you know, yeah. as they get older and um, and he's probably, <laughs> I'm about five foot two. <laughs> He's over six foot. Um, so when he started to look down on me and he was like, yeah, if I said no, well, it, it just lost its kind yeah. of power and sway when your son is looking down at you and you go, don't do that, you know. But that was a bit hard. Was yeah, it very like, hard. Did you just very feel, did you, did you have times of real feeling like real helplessness in yourself? Like yeah. it was, was it really at a point where you just yeah. could not, didn't know where to go or what to do next? It's, it's agonising as a parent. Um watching your kids make stupid choices or fill their bodies with drugs or risk-taking behaviours like riding mini bikes in the middle of the night and you can hear them zzz down without helmets and things like that. You know, I think the risk-taking behaviour is going to be there for young males anyway. Yeah. But I think if you add on substances as well, it I think it ta- takes off the edge of the risk-taking so they don't feel it as as much that, you know, they can more risky with the behavior and i certainly feel that with you know with chris and what do you do what can you do because i'm sure there's loads of parents out there listening in their moments Mm. is there anything in going back to that we'll talk about where we'll get to where you are now which is like a really strong place and what you're doing and but in that i'm just trying to get to that point where in life where you've got your young son who's 16 17 you know that you know they're engaging in drugs and risk-taking behavior and so forth like that what was what? What could you do then? What was all you could do then? Um, at that point, if that makes sense, was like was there just something? This is all I can do as a parent at this point. Is it was there one thing, two things? Or yeah, I think that the continuum has always been to have love for my child, um, at any age, under any circumstance, um, challenging as it has been. 
um, is to always provide an open door um, even though I've been told many times, shut that door, throw away the key, toss him on the street. Um, I was always, the door's always open. Um, I don't condone the behaviour, but um, I would always encourage you to do better for yourself and love yourself. But my love has always been unconditional. My door's always been open, even at, if it has been to the detriment of my own self-care and physical well-being. Um, so that's, I probably would say, uh, mother's yeah. love. Yeah. Did you feel like, Chris, all the way through, even in that time, did you always feel that you had that, your mother's love? Did it, did it kind of, like yeah. when you were out doing that, did it, was there moments where you, did you understand that you were having an impact on your, on your mother like that? At the time, yeah. no, I didn't. No. I didn't, I didn't really realise so much. It was just, I thought it was just normal, motherly behaviour. Oh, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, go off and do it anyway. Yeah. But, I look back at it now and I'm like, she was there for me, you know. She was in any sort of way, even when I was not agreeing with what she was saying, don't do this, don't do that. And I would, you know, she was she was always there in any sort of way to be like, okay, you know what, even though you are going to do that, I'm still, yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's always, that's really good. Mm. You know, you can just, it's really strong when you look back at it now. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah. Did you ever have a fear that it wasn't going to be there? Mm, no, I didn't, no. no, I didn't. That didn't really come into my mind, no, not at all. Mm, no. mm. Was there a fear as well, I want to go back like to the drug taking, was there a fear that you would go too far? I always, always nah, because at the time you think you're all good. Mm. Like you don't, you, don't, you don't see how you are until you get off it and you look back yeah. and you're like, fuck, that's how I was. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what was the question? That self-reflection, yeah. So uh, it was like, did you have a fear that one day you'd go too far? Yeah, no, I didn't really have a fear because I thought I, I thought I was in control at the time. Yeah. I thought, oh, I still look good, you know, still pulling girls. I'm still, still look all right, you know. You know, <laughs> I, haven't lo- I haven't lost myself. You look at other people and you're like, they're gone. They're way past gone. Yeah. And you think you're right the, at, at the time. But until you get off it is when you really realise. Yeah. Is when you can really see. I mean, you can be told in the moment, you look bad, you need to get off it, you know, you're not going to end up well. But you, that just fucking, that flies over your head, man. Mm. You're just like, no, I got this. Easy, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, time flies. Was there a point where you looked in the mirror and you were like... Yeah, there's been some photos. Yeah, there's been some times, yeah, I just don't like, yeah. Like, it's after a while, though, it's... I hadn't had any complaints or any issues or any sort mm. of, like worries about my body until yeah, until towards before I got incarcerated. Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. And when you did get incarcerated, what was that feeling or that what was that experience like in front of the judge and then they hand down that that verdict that you're gonna get for a certain amount of time? Heart just dropped because I'm like because me and mum she was like, you know, don't worry, just rock up. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, we're we're gonna be good. You know, let's just let's just go through it. You're gonna be all sweet. Um, first five minutes, man, I just got sent off. I got sent off straight away. Yeah, the judge is like, no, nah, sorry, that's it. You know, four months, bang. Wow. And I just looked at mum and instantly started crying, and so did she. And but like, she was crying because she knew the best was gonna come for me. I could yeah. see that. Um, I was crying because I was like, fuck, <laughs> I'm going for four months. Mum's not going to take care of me for four months. Yeah, yeah. Can't you'd be wishing, get, you'd be wishing for that packed lunch that you yeah, said no yeah. to <laughs> so many years ago. You'd not, be, yeah, not going to be getting motherly love in there. So. But I know we joke about it, but it must be a really, like, to use a better word, but sobering experience when you suddenly hear that in such a quick time, it's done, like, Click of the fingers, four months, you're going into prison. Yeah. Like, what goes through your mind in that space? And I'd love to hear it from you as well, mm. Belle, in a minute. Like, what goes through your mind? In be- like, before the decision? Just in, when that decision hits you, if you can remember even in that um, moment, like, what, like, what is the things that flash into I your mind? I was just like, I'm going to, fear, fear of missing out. Yeah. For one, at the time I was clubbing heaps and producing music and DJing. and It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And my friends and all that. that and I was just thinking, like, they're just, I'm going to miss all that. They're going to think I'm, I don't know. I was just, 
I I really just like was thinking about mum, just missing mum, and just like the home at home and just family, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause I mean, you can you can be away from your mum for a few weeks and be like, oh, how you doing, mum? Yeah. But then four months is just like. It's a long time. What did you like? I think I when they say four months, I think of it as a third of a year, half a year, basically. Yeah. yeah. And what about what about in court and you hear the words that you, you know you get the realization that your son is going to prison. Um, mixed feelings, really, because um, it's mm. been a long journey from thirteen to <clears throat> twenty-five. Um, there's been so many um, offences along the time, and so many mi- near misses, and so many um, warning signs all the way along. And as a parent, you can sort of look back and see a bigger picture and know that the the consequences are coming. But when you're, you know, you're as a parent living my life where I don't know whether my son's going to be alive from day to day. Anything's got to be better than that. Yeah. Because it was just every day was, you know, is he going to be alive today? So I could sort of, you know, support him going to court and everything, but knowing, you know, the background of all his offences since he had had priors as a teenager and then um, as an adult there were so many chances that he could have turned his life around in so many ways in terms of the law, but the substances um, didn't. The substance use didn't allow for that good judgment of, you know, it just was, <clears throat> it was a death call. Yeah. And um, he was lucky to be alive when he was able to walk into court. And um, so I had, uh, you know, maybe an inkling that that could have happened, but it really just depends on the judge on that day. Anyone who's yeah. ever been to court mm. um, and once she got wind of the fact that, you know, uh, a, a taste of what the, the offences were, uh, she'd made a decision, and the, ju- the the solicitor looked at us. Sorry, the barrister looked at us, and <clears throat> the barrister said to the solicitor, uh, "Prepare your client." And yeah. um, I knew then and there. And, yeah, it was going um, to be. Yeah. be great. Yeah. So look, for me, um, uh, four months, my son going away. You don't know what that's like to you actually going through the four months and yeah. what that entails. Mm. But I was living day to day. Is my son going to be alive? So as a parent... Before before court, yeah. Yeah, before court, every day was, you know, he's off on, he, uh, yeah. off on something. So for me... Um, so it's an interesting dilemma. For eh. you, it seems like you go, if we're asking that question at that point, what I'm gathering is you're saying the unknown of every day and living with that mm. and the fact that you're going to prison, you were like saying prison was probably better at that stage, yeah. was, gonna, was gonna be the savior, <laughs> could be the best thing for your son to kind of save save his life in some ways every day was life and death is he going to be alive today or dead at the end Mm. of the day or dead in the middle of the night so still all those ramifications of the law and prison and things like that still as a mother looking at your child are they alive or are they dead Mm. any mother would still prefer their child to be alive isn't it amazing like, so do what you want isn't it amazing though Bella that like as a parent Mm. that is you as a parent, anyone's listening to this, imagine, mm. imagining that is your A and B. Mm. Yeah, that's your yeah. A and B. A is, you know, every day living, knowing whether they're going to be coming back or whether they're going to be alive. Mm. And B is, okay, they're not doing that, they're going to prison. Mm. Well, mum mom, was, mm. you know, stressing to the point of, like, no coming back. And I looked at that and like that's that's all, that's all my fault. Yeah. And I realised you know once, once she knew where I was going, where I was safe, in a sense. Yeah. Where I was put in, yeah. where I was away from all the drugs, that's when mm. mum was better. That's when mum was okay because she knew I wasn't getting into bad shit. She knew I was rehabilitating. She knew I was sobering up. She knew I was in a safe sort of place. Then then I was outside, at the time. Yeah. Did you feel that? Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. felt in a safer I, place? You felt for yourself, personally, in your life I where it was? It, I felt it when I sobered up and got in there yeah. and, like, say, halfway through, a quarter way through. Then I started really realising, I'm like, that's like 100 kilos lifted off my shoulder. Yeah. And that's a lot yeah. for someone her age, too. Were you, when, you were, um, when you went to prison, were you very highly dependent on drugs at the time? So was there a real big withdrawal and, no, and everything else? Or no, was it kind actually, of you kind of just got ready for it? 
I mean, yeah, it was my longest break of um, yeah, marijuana for sure. Um, mm. Stuff like that from before that, I was off and on, off and on, off and on. Um, but, yeah, it was good to just be away from it. Yeah. It was a relief to um, have, you know, looking at all the, the things that could have been offered, like rehabilitation and all those things just seemed very hard to get a young person to a point where they could get some alcohol or drug uh, counselling or support or get into rehab, do the detox. It was very, very difficult to actually um, facilitate in our in our society. Mm. Very, very difficult. We tried different things so we could see that there was a problem. But um, a lot of police had actually said to me, the best rehabilitation, which, you know, unfortunately is was going to be in was jail, was also yeah. jail, yeah. Um, where they weren't able to take any substances. So um, I was relieved that it had become not just my problem. Yeah. It had become, okay, now this is, you know, Chris's problem as well as a societal sort of problem. Mm-hmm. And, okay, can someone help us now? Yeah. You know, because it's not like we hadn't been asking for help or trying to get support along the way. It's just, it's a very hard um, place in this society to get the help yeah. that you need. Well, yeah. you've got to be willing to ex- accept the help. Or at that the time, I wasn't, I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't in need for any sort of help. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd mm. listen to mum, but like, I wouldn't really take anything in from anyone. Mm. Yeah. You went with, yeah, it's a really good point. You have to be at it. There's certain stages where you've got to be ready to change mm, yeah. and then be able to. So if you're not in them stages, then it's, it's a really hard thing to do. 100%. So, yeah, I can understand that. Mm. And sometimes that's a time thing, you know, mm, yeah. Ob- obviously in this situation as well. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, you could tell someone something six months ago and they wouldn't have a bar of it and then flash forward where we are now yeah. and it's like, yeah. Like I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. You know. absolutely. Mm. So, um, what was prison? So, what was prison like? How did you adjust to that? Um, I was I was a bit nervous walking in. Uh, I was a bit nervous. Yeah, walking up to, the, like, in the bus going going there. I didn't know what I was going to expect, but like, I've always I've always had an idea because I've had like a few friends go in there before, but they didn't explain. I've heard on and off things about jail. So we've heard the fucking shit things, you know, people get stabbed, this, that, yeah. in there. And then people are like, it's good in there. You know, all my friends are in there, this, that. I'm like, I was a bit confused when yeah. I hear both sides. I'm like, what? I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm going into. Mm. Like you, that's When you hear both sides, you're like, fuck, that just, that, neither of what anyone said to me is going to be put into like, to where I am. So, but when I got in there, I was like, I was, I was relieved, especially because they like, had a nice landscaping, they had a nice layout, they had, they had gym, they had basketball, you know, that's, that's, my, t- that's my top two. Mm. Um, yeah, just walking in there, I was just a bit nervous, just knowing that there's other, there's like worse people than you in there. Mm. Um, yeah, but the good thing is that everyone's in there sort of can relate in, in some sort of way. And get along because not everyone in there is perfect. No, but it's it's good to know people are on your level. It makes you a bit more comfortable that you can get along with people in there, and they're on your sort of level, and they are. It makes it a lot more comfortable. Hmm. So, what surprised you the most about? What was the one thing that surprised you about jail? I was surprised me. I got put into. And the community one with all the murderers and stuff, and it's people like this murderers in there. I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That's when I, next day I was got a bit nervous. I'm like, mm, tiptoeing around. Yeah, yeah. But then I met one of them. I'm like, oh, he's like a nice guy. He yeah, serves yeah. me food every day. Yeah. Gives me extras. <laughs> yeah. So then relationships you can build with people, even though, you know, people have done some, like, it's just, really bad things. It just you know shows I mean? you yeah. shouldn't judge anyone. I mean, like, to, hmm. well, from my from my experience, it just shows like treat anyone like you would normally like yeah yeah, yeah. any other day and, and I suppose you have to get fun. along yourself, don't you? Like you've but, got you've got to get along in there yourself. Like you've got to look after yourself and the relationships that you build as well. Yeah yeah. And how yeah. you act is that would that be fair to say? I mean, if if you're going to go in there and 
like the person I am, I mean, I'm not quiet. So I'm not going to, I wanted to, I wanted to go in there and avoid everyone, avoid everyone for four months and just stick to myself and just do me. Mm. But the person I am, I started making heaps of friends of the African community, Islander community, Lebanese community, Australian community, Aboriginal community. I was just making friends with everyone and you you get like it's it's hard to explain but in big oh, I don't know, yeah. It's hard to explain. I sort of lost myself there. Nah, take okay. your time, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't hated on, that's what I was that's mm. what I was liking because you know, yeah. if you're under hated the radar. On, if you're hated on in there, it's not gonna be good at all, mm. no way. But if you're if you're accepted then it's okay, you know, then it's not much of a worry unless you're going out there looking for worries. Hello? Mick, Mick, it's Mark. Mark, mate, what are you doing? It's 2 a.m. Mate, I just finished The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen it. Fantastic film. What, what, what are you me for now? Anyway, anyway, that's beside the point. I need a chessboard. Now? Yes, now. Mate, you keep doing this to me. I can't keep delivering things in person. You know you can go onto the Rebuild Shop and deliver them online. Do you really need it now? What, what's the Rebuild Shop again? That's where we sell all the products I keep telling you about. You go on to www.ymcarebuild.org.au and it has all our products. And when you order them there, Mac, they just deliver them to your door. They don't, I don't have to deliver them. Don't have to leave them at all. Hang on a minute. Have you seen things on the roof? Oh, yeah. Right, I'll be down to I'm really interested to hear Pell as well because your son is in prison and you've got to go for your first visit to... Have you ever been in a prison beforehand before visiting your son first time? Never. All right, full disclosure, you haven't been in prison. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but... Um, Talk us through what that would have been like. Um, did you go alone? Did you go with someone else? Or and and yeah, how was that experience? Um, well, it's a fair distance from where I live, yeah. so um, yeah, it's very, um, it's a very uh, uh, lonely process for a mother. Um, it's not something that you can talk to other people about your mates or whatever. They just wouldn't understand. So it's it's a journey you kind of have to travel by yourself. Um, yeah, there's a lot of rules going to visit someone in prison. Um, a lot of you can't bring this, you can't bring that. So as a mother, having uh, someone I love in a place where I can't nurture or look after him or take him the things he needs, they are very strict in what you can bring them um, from basic foods to basic clothing. Um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> I also was under, under the law where I had to go by their rules, their house, mm-hmm. and um, visit my son there. So, yeah, it was a very, very daunting experience. Mm. But and, – and hoping that he was going to be all right when I wasn't with him. Um, you know, some nights I think, oh, I hope he's all right. But there wasn't anything I could do about it. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a very <clears> – <throat> it was a learning experience for myself. Um but I was very relieved to actually be able to sleep through the night. Yeah. Um, so as a parent, there are mixed feelings uh, for the first time in Chris's life that I wasn't – I haven't seen him for two weeks. So um, more than more than two weeks. So um, you have to make appointments and things like that. So being told when and where I can see my son – was a total uh, loss of control as a parent. Uh, so the only thing I really had at the end of the day was the love I had for my son yet again. Um, that was the only, con- you know, continuous sort of thing in that situation. Um, so, yeah, it was very hard to go in and and also be around other people and it was a bit of an eye-opener. Yeah. Um, I don't break the law myself Um so to be in that environment uh, was very different for me. So being put in a situation that was unfamiliar for myself maybe made me feel a bit uncomfortable yeah. at times <clears throat> and a bit scared. Uh, but as long as I got to see 
my son. I was happy and relieved. Yeah. I was like, and yeah. every time I saw him, he he started to look better physically. So right. it was kind. I think the first time was hard, and the second time was hard, and being away. But you, you also don't have any communication when you don't when you between seeing them. There's no. It takes a while to set up the email. It takes a while to set up the letters and things like that, and get permission. And so it's like this big gap of silence that you know you have someone that you love somewhere, but you just you're communicating. It's very difficult to communicate that relationship. It would be. Mm-hmm. I'm also fascinated at um what it's like like how do you communicate this so when your son goes to prison i'm talking about the outside community now you know so family friends your community your neighborhood everything else um did you was that a was that something that you just went you know what it is what it is and i'm just going straight out and and i just people know or did you find that really difficult did you felt you were being judged did you keep it in sometimes i'm really really fascinated to hear this part of it uh i think uh no it's not acceptable it's not something I would tell many people and it took me a long time to tell anyone. Obviously my mother I told, uh, she became a visitor as well. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's a stigma attached to having someone in jail. You don't talk about it. Don't talk to my colleagues about it as a nurse. Hey, you know, I'm going to see my son in jail, you know. It's not... No, it's it, it's pretty much I didn't really have anyone to talk to about. Not even my closest friends would have known. Right. Um, because they, I didn't expect them to understand because they'd not gone through it themselves or um, to have to get to that situation where your son is in jail, there's, there's a lot of stigma attached to that, that person is a bad person and now they're in jail. And that's... Uh, that's not the way it is, you know. There's a a path that everyone has to get to jail, and it's not always the same path. Um, <clears throat> drug offences, um, criminal activity. There's a lots of ways you can get to jail. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's not something I could talk about at all. What about today? Do, do people know now, or is it still you know you feel you, do you open up, or do you just is it still the same? You just let that time pass. And people don't ask questions, you don't bring it up or, or, or is it, has anything changed there? Where I feel comfortable to say to the people that I trust around me that I know uh, respect me and as a person, um, little things, you know, or, you know, even a little bit of a sense of humour about it or something. Or if there's an opportunity where I come across a complete stranger who doesn't know me um, and has had a similar experience or I have an empathy towards other people um, where I can go, that's okay, I know how you feel. I, I, you know, being a nurse, I come across a lot of different people. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's taken me a while. There's only a few people that still know, but, but also I'm very mindful that it's his journey. Yeah. It's my journey as a parent, but it's really his journey to jail. Um. I just have been a parent to support my son in whatever journey he's on. So, yeah, I don't go around saying, oh, yeah, my son went to jail, you know, you know, look yeah, at yeah. me. You know. yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I'm very respectful of the process. Yeah, yeah. It is a word, but it's actually a journey and yeah. it's not a destination. It's um, a pathway to other things. And Chris, once leaving jail, how was your community and your friends? They were they were surprised that I had gone. Yeah. Um, really, when you go to jail, man, like people just go on with their own lives. They don't even sit there and worry about this guy every day. It's like not much has changed since like, when I got out. Mm. So, not many people would be worrying, or like they they they'd be like, "Where were you?" I'd be like, I was in jail for four months. And like, oh, no way, I didn't even know. And it's like, I didn't expect anyone to know, mm. but like, it's, no one's going to be out. Not, no, one, no one's really there for you as much as they say they are, unless they're actually there. Yeah. I heard that before, but I didn't, before I went to jail, but I didn't realise until you go in and go out and experience it. Mm. Just quickly, I want to ask about, how did you, like going back a little bit on the visits, 
How did you feel in that moment when you had to see your mum come and visit you in a prison as well? Did you? Did, was there moments where you just felt, what have I done here? Like, why, why, am I, why does my mother have to come into this? Did you, did you really reflect on that deeply? or I, Not so much because it was more like we're in front of each other finally. We're like, awesome. Like, because last time, the, that first, when we seen each other depart, it was very emotional. And then we see each other and it's just like, yes, you know, and we just start talking yeah. absolute crap, you know? Yeah. And it's good. It's a really good feeling to just be able to do that with my mum and, like, you know, have a really good relationship, like, open. Yeah. And actually look forward to the visits and stuff like that and, you know, not the visits that don't have to be so emotional each time or anything no. like that. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Was really it hard weird. when you both walked away? Like when you leave a visit, is that hard? Oh, it's hard. Yeah. We, we always um, good with our hugs. <laughs> so um, like his hug would just, I'd just squish, squish me because I'm quite small and he's quite big. Um, so a couple of hugs and then I'd always wait. It'd be the last one to mm. say goodbye, the last one at the door. Um, and then, you know, like the last one at the airport sort of thing. But um, I suppose it's a reflection of <clears throat> both my son and myself is that we kind of, we made it a routine. We'd have cafeteria. I'd buy him whatever he wanted to eat. Okay, what are you going to eat that this was week? The best. You know, the pizza that was or so the, good. this and that. So it became, it was quality time each week yeah. with my son. And I probably think that a lot of parents wouldn't have that with their children. So it was a good solid an hour and a half, two hours just sitting there talking. Yeah. Or just being there, or I'd be interested in what was happening and what had happened and whatever he felt comfortable to talk to me about that week. I was keen to listen, even though I kind of it wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. But um, I was um, happy to, you know, listen to maybe some of the good things and the not so good things about what were happening mm. for his week and. And also being, I'm a very positive person, a very positive thinker, and I hopefully pass that on. So we find ourselves here. So how can we, okay, have you been going to the gym? Oh, you've been doing this. What, what, are, you, what are you improving yourself while you're in here? This isn't your final destination. So we talk about our passions with music or, you know, uh, encouraging each other and you know, real, real positive people no matter what situation we find ourselves in. We always have a laugh. We're always good for a laugh. Um, so we saw some different things in there and visits and my granddaughter came a couple of times. <clears throat> so that was interesting. Um, yeah, so we kind of made it some positive things and fun things. So we'd look forward to it, yeah. uh, seeing each other if that's all you heard. So. Yeah, great. So riding on that positivity that you guys share – I was going to ask you, Belle, what's something that Chris, what's a trait of Chris's that uh, you don't think he sees in himself? Ooh, one thing hmm. he doesn't see in himself. Or does he see it all? Uh, <laughs> and, <maybe>. more. and more. <laughs> maybe everyone, I think, it's always nice to remind people of their own qualities that, that they maybe know that they have, but... Um, we always have a bit of a laugh. That's a family trait, no matter what's happening. We always have a laugh. He's got a very good sense of humour. So no matter what circumstance. Um, but he's probably needs to be reminded that uh, he has goals in life and to go out for those goals. And he needs to be reminded that he can achieve anything he sets his mind to. And don't take no for an answer. And he can be whatever he wants in life so he's intelligent enough and has all the skills to be able to achieve everything all his dreams hopes yeah i hope so that's it i know so and, <laughs> and just for everyone listening uh, chris is blushing once again <laughs> <laughs> oh, i gotta get me out of here yeah. <laughs> shouldn't have told you all my Tough goals luck. is it <laughs> so so now like fast forward to where we are today you're you're working with Rebuild. Yeah. So how are you finding that? Um, good as, man. Really mm. good. Uh, therapeutic almost. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I never really worked longer than two months straight. Yeah. Or other than when I was 18, it's the casual three-hour shift at Macca's. Yeah. But 
yeah, seven years later, finally gets a real job, kept for more than a month. So it's good as to be in, a, in an actual routine, waking up early, going to work, chilling it out. And when I go to work, when I'm lifting something, I'll, I'll take it, I'll use it as like gym. I'll be like, I'll lift yeah. it up a few times yeah, or something yeah. like that. Stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, it's just been really good to get in a working routine. Um, so, like, going back after home, um, you know, I'd, I'd be more reluctant to eat healthy and be healthy because I'm in a routine. I wouldn't – I'll go sleep early because I know I have to wake up early the next day. Yeah. I mean, I didn't used to do that when I used to work. That's why I got fired from heaps of jobs. Yeah. Because I wouldn't actually give myself that time, that eight hours sleep, to actually be okay for the next day, yeah, <clears throat> and yeah, it's just been it's just been amazing, man. In, like income, it's been bloody awesome. Um, yeah, I, like from someone coming from being on the dole for quite a while, yeah, to having a wage, yeah, is such a big difference. Um, you can look after yourself a lot more, a mm. lot easier. You have less worries too. Um, yeah, just. The whole work aspect's just been really good. It's just been it's got me feeling happy and good, as well as giving me ideas to start up my own sort of business around the work that we're doing as well. Cool. So, yeah. like, you're thinking about helping other people um, in your situation, or that's, he, he, that's, that's, he, that's... he just wants to undercut rebuild yeah. and do his own business. <laughs> <laughs> what have we been teaching him? <laughs> No, no. The, I mean, like, I, I love to help. I love to teach and stuff like that. Um, I want to do this sort of work for myself, yeah. but not the teaching aspect or the um, role model sort of aspect. But I have thought about that in the past, and I, yeah, it's something that interests me for sure. But this is like my first, you know, first few months going into hard yakka. You know, hard yakka sort of work. So yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm just getting used to it and. Yeah, I'm liking it. I'd like to, I'd like to open, you know, my own little business on the side so I can do weekend works, weekend work and yep. cut someone's lawn here and there, landscape here and there a little bit. And then hopefully get my head fully around it where I can be able to take control and lift off with my own company one day. Yeah, yeah, get that independence. Yeah. Aspirations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in the future now? Like if I was to say, I'm not going to give you a couple of years or anything like that, but on TV, on TV, <laughs> he's gone from undercut and rebuild, getting his own job, and now yeah. he's going to go on TV. Yeah. You're seeing me. Never right say TV. never. I hope, I hope we're seeing on TV for the right reasons. So oh. yeah, that's, I'm just going to put that uh, out there. Yeah, we're going to hold you to that. Yeah? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. My goal is to be, um, you know, aspiring music producer. Nice yeah. one. Yeah. So that'd be that'd be amazing if I could make it. Like an international gig or anything like that, mm. Mm. Um, that'd be amazing. Yeah, dream come true. Yeah. How were you yeah. introduced? I want. I'm interested. How were you introduced to Rebuild? How did that happen? Mark, actually, uh, Mark here. Love that. I can't believe you didn't. Know, I that. can't believe you asked me. You passed me a note yeah. under the table <laughs> to say, "Ask him how he was put into Rebuild." I don't know why I was asking that question. Now I know. <laughs> 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 that's a good one. Oh, that's yeah, funny. no, um, I'd heard about it. Someone had told me about it, um, and I declined it when I got into prison. Yeah. They, they offered it to you. You turned yeah, us down? Turned us down. Yeah, no, I, t- I didn't turn it down. Playing hard to get. So, all right. So, okay, so some my, my, my cellmate at the time had told me, dude, why are you getting up and going here in the morning and stuff, bro? Well, you, want to, you want to do jail easy. You don't want to do it hard. Mm-hmm. That really went into my head. I think I'm like, true. I don't want to be having to wake up every morning just to get to work that I'm not getting paid for mm. or anything like that. That's that's what I had. That's what I, the thought I had in my head at the time. Yeah. But halfway through, I ended up working in the kitchen anyway. Yeah. So towards the end, I declined. Like when I did, when I declined at the start, I was like, oh, I sort of regret it. I'm like, no. How do I get this opportunity back? Because it's nearing to me getting out, mm. um, out of jail come to the like yeah last month or so and I was like oh no like I just passed up like one of the best opportunities so I started pestering everyone I started asking everyone I knew mm. about the program like this rebuild program the the bridge program the rebuild program I'm like what is it how do I get into it what, what do I do how can I get that opportunity again 
And I'm pretty sure I hit you up and you'd talk to Hannah and put in a good word or something and she'd come back out in the last two weeks before I got the release and said, do you want to come come and join the Rebuild um, mm. program again? And I was like, yes. I was like, yes. I was over the moon. Because, yeah, they told me, you know, I'd secure work outside of jail. And work is just something I've always wanted to... Like, I've, I've always... Before I went in, I never really had a job. But, like, I've, I've always was trying to get a job. You know, it's not easy with someone who doesn't know how to make a good um, resume. Mm. And actually, it plays a part, having a good resume and, like, having it the way it's set out actually plays a part with how they, who they pick and stuff. So I'd go for... I'd choose for, like, easy jobs, like, door knocking. Mm. Oh, we'd take anyone. Come mm. over. So I'd be, I was doing door knocking. I was doing door knocking for like solar panel companies and stuff like that. But I was like, I liked it. <clears throat> but oh no, where am I? Yeah, <laughs> you're you're at the part where you're saying you're going to come into the public rebuild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how it was me that uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that so, changed everything. Geez. But yeah, so I was I was that. That's how eager I was for work. Um, you know, I couldn't really get much opportunity. I didn't get much opportunity in the outside. So. As soon as I got the opportunity to talk to anyone about the rebuild program, I'd ask I'd ask Mark everything about it, like what what do they do? What and he'd tell me this and that, the basic rate and stuff like that. And I was I was happy to hear mm. anything about it. Mm. And they yeah, they came up to me and they're like, Come on board. Yeah, yeah. Right, two weeks before and yeah, and I did that little program for about a week. Yep, it's great. Mm. I'm I'm really glad that actually Mark, um, we were paying him to do his job. He actually did it once, um, and actually helped someone. So we're really, it's been a while since I've heard him being mentioned. Here so big goes. big shout out to Mark. Nah, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, I'm really interested in um, when you knew Chris was going to be released. Well, did you have? that anxiety come back a little bit mm. in regards to what's this going to be like? You've had this period of time where you've, you know, you've been sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You haven't had that worry. Did you really get a bit of anxiety around the fact of what will happen for my son when he comes back? Will he, re- will he retreat? Will he go back to what he was doing? Um, how was that for you? Yeah. I think the, uh, the period of time, four months kind of prepares you in a way for when they, coming out so it's a it's a whole process and journey of having your son in incarceration um so you get used to sleeping and not worrying or um worrying about the house we were living in and things like that um was he safe so when he was coming out yes there is that apprehension you're happy that they're going to be coming out, but you're also worried that they're now going to be back around those people, back in situations where there's um, the drugs and all that sort of thing again, definitely, and elements around being safe um, in the place that he was living at the time. So, yeah, for sure. But I I enjoyed the rest of, you know, the four months. and But I was also grateful for him to come out and um, see him and and see how he was going to go. I'd seen such a change in him in the four months that it was kind of like, well, I've had to let you go against my will as a mother to had to surrender you to a a prison and you were in their control for four months. Um, I was able to just show you my love from a distance and – maybe give you a bit of clothes and a bit of food and a bit of money from there. Uh, and now they, you were sort of sent to sort of make your own choices in prison. And then when you got out of prison, I've learned to step right back. Prison does that to a parent where you learn to really let go of your kid real quick. So to let go of my son and knowing that, hey, it's his life. So when he gets out of jail, uh, he's going to make his choices. So it's an evolution being a parent to having a lot of control and influence on your son's life. Uh, Jail kind of puts you in a position of letting go real quick and accepting that they're going to make their own choices and they're going to have their own consequences. And it's their life. If they want to have a good life, they're also their choices if they're not going to have a good life they're also their consequences so I'd perhaps spend a bit of time 
I think sometimes when uh, you have a son that's in jail, rehabilitation happens to the parent as well as the child. So uh, substance abuse and criminal activity affects a whole lot of people. It affects, it's a ripple effect on the families as well as the community. So you learn ways in life to deal with those things. Um, having a parent, being being a parent of a, a child that's on substances, you in react, you're in react mode. Whereas being having that time, that four months to be able to think, how how do I really want to make my choices now as a parent? Um, how do I want my life to be? So I always considered that. If I was able to better my life in any way, that would always better my son's life. So I think a lot of parents, we're so reacting to everything that's happening and emotionally and physically that we don't tend to self-care. We're going through the trauma. We're going through um, post-traumatic stress symptoms. So to be able to have that four months to develop, who am I again? Strengthen yourself as a person. So by the time... Chris came out, um, I think it was just a natural progression and I still had to practice that letting go. Yeah, but that wasn't easy at all, yeah. Yeah, it's a great point that you raise. Um, I guess during that time, what did you use for support? Like did you have people that you could uh, use for support? Did you use services or? Not really. Yeah. Uh, I would talk to mum. Mum mm-hmm. was really good because that was her grandson as well. Yeah. Like I said, you don't can't really talk to your colleagues or your friends about it. Mm. Uh, so I was very uh, able to pull on my own resources and um, my own inner dialogue. Yeah. Me personally, I have a great faith. Uh, that's been my my journey in this lifetime since I was a child. So I use that. And also positive, very, very strong in positive thinking. And yeah. all my journey in life is always, okay, well, this has happened, but how do I turn it around? So I'm constantly being a person of positive thinking and how to always better life. But you just self-talk every day yeah. uh, and just get on with life. The, one of the strengthening factors is to life goes on. As Chris was saying, that people – the the main focus of everybody's life is themselves. So my main focus became myself as well. Uh, what do I? What am I doing in this planet? What am I needing to do? Uh, and just to to stay focused on, you know, I think only now, sort of looking at counselling and things like that. But it was so much trauma involved around the last six months before he went to jail. It was just. Uh, just being able to look after myself by getting sleep, rest, working, just having a routine. So all the things that, all the healthy things in life, just to start having that as a routine. Uh, sometimes not rushing off to talk to people about it was going to be the best thing for me. It was just, okay, how do we live normal again? How do we go to work and not worry about our son, you know, in the middle of a shift getting a call or, um, having sleep to get up to work the next day or having a good diet or eating again. It was the basic things. Mm. And Chris, how about when you left prison and I'm thinking up until today as well, like is it been difficult for you to stay, you know, on the straight and narrow as they say? Um, <clears throat> you know? No, I mean, was, no, it hasn't been difficult. It's been easy. Yeah. Um because you look back and you're just like, no, I don't want to turn into that again. I don't want to look like that. Uh, I don't want to do that to mum again. Number one, that's yeah. that's main fact. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just you just don't want to go back. Yeah, um, I've already come so far to go. Like, there's no way I'm going to go back. There's a question that I ask um, at the end of every show to our guests, and I'm going to ask both of you. Um, I'm going to start with you, uh, Chris. So when you were younger, when you were a child or a kid, um, what did you want to be when you grow up? Ooh. Ooh. Um, that's a good question, man. I don't have to go back. I asked the best ones, don't I, Mark? No, that's a really a good question. question. 
Oh, mm. uh, I think I wanted to be like a basketball superstar cross like R&B singer. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like I, I think I went. I think I used to call, um, tell mum like, "Mum, why didn't you call me Nelly as a kid?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rocking around with the band-aid on yeah. your face. Yeah, the, the yeah. band-aid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, um, I think that's... You, you play basketball? Yeah, yeah. I play and, basketball and I... And, and you love music. And I love my music. I mm. produce music. I DJ um, at most Melbourne clubs at this point in time. Um, I love it, man. So I feel like maybe what that was I it? was you're, trying to aspire to be sort of... You're on the road? You're yeah, on I'm on the right road, yeah. yeah I love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, we're doing good. Well, you're not getting away with this one either, so, you know. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Over to you. Well, um, I've always uh, had a passion for singing and before I had my children, I was singing and um, so I had to give a lot of my dreams and desires and hopes away, um, raising two boys by myself. Um, I gave them everything that I had. But I'm always a great believer of following the passion that's been put in your heart and it's always in there. And I really believe I've been singing up on stage for the last two to two and a half years and have a little bit of a following and have been able to um, develop that and continue to develop that. So I don't believe you're ever too old. I don't believe there's any circumstance where you can't achieve. So for me, it was going to be a singer, performer, and I think that I've been able to achieve that and just continue building on that. Beautiful. So he's about great answers. He's yeah. about achieving what he's wanted to be. Mm. People. So keep going, Mac. Keep dreaming, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might get there. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> nah, no. This we is what I have to put up with. It's all right. Be, <laughs> don't give him too much sympathy. It, uh, nah. <laughs> There'll be an HR meeting after this. Anyway, so be right. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the form, mate. There's <laughs> plenty of them there. There's different parts of my job and everything like that. And I feel that uh, one of the best parts is working with guys when they're inside mm. and then mm. that moment where you see them on the outside and they're not behind those walls anymore is, is, a, is a great feeling, like, yeah. personally. Um, and it was really good. I mean, there was a couple of sports and rec times in there when you were down I in the whooped gym. Whooped your ass in basketball. Yeah, I wouldn't say that so much. <laughs> I'm confident from all angles here today. Yeah, well, except and, from me. You passed me a note saying ask about that basketball game. What's that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we, we played basketball in there. You mm. did the work readiness and life skills course in there as well. Um, and then, yeah, I think the first time I saw you since you've been out was in a Zoom meeting a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. It was good. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great feeling to have. So I'm, I'm super happy that you're on the outside now and you're doing really well. Um, and it was great to meet you, Belle, as well. I think, Thank you um, very much. Yeah, you, can, you, got, you both got a nice calming aura about you. Mm. So um, yeah. you've, li- you've lifted the standard of this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. That's good to hear. I just want to thank you both um, for your time, for your um, honesty. Um, I know it's not easy to come in and, and speak about what you've you know, been through, but it's been so wonderful for myself and Mark to be part of this and, and to listen to this, and I'm sure it is for the listeners as well. Um, it's obviously you have a lot of love. You spoke about it true, and it's obviously that that's been really never gone away um, in all them difficult times, and you've been through difficult times. And I, and I just want to say something as well, like, if anyone's listening as well and they talk about, you know, a stretch of prison time, whether it's a month or two months or three or four, whether it's four years, whatever, it still happens. You still have to face the same things. You still have to face the fact that, you know, you're going to be locked up. Your son had to go to prison. You're going to have to get on with your life from that and everything else around it. That doesn't change. So I commend you on, on, on ways of got to with that, how you've got through that as well. And I'm so grateful we're so grateful that you were able to share that with us and our listeners today as well I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed it and we've learnt lots from it today and, and uh, we wish you everything in the future Chris um, and, and Belle as well and we wish your family everything in the future as well and, and look forward to seeing you um, on stage singing while your son is in the hey, back doing do the decks for the new number one <laughs> uh, Christmas duo. single is coming out sponsored by Rebuild <laughs> yeah oh, nah, appreciate tuned. it thank you <laughs> yeah. thank you to Rebuild for everything that you've done to support uh, it's a great program and everything you've done to help my son it's been uh, godsend so 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's you're a pleasure. Next week will be the final episode in this series. Join Mick and I as we review Series 1 and give an insight into what we have planned for Series 2. If anything in today's episode has raised any issues for you or someone you know, head over to our website for a full list of services that may help at ymcarebuild.org.au under the podcast tab. This podcast was produced by Mick Cronin and Mark Wilson. Editing done by Mark Wilson.